This week's podcast, I actually appear and feature on uh, another podcast. So this is uh, an upload from the collaboration. So it's a podcast with Peter Hogg called Where to Invest. So this podcast for those investors looking to invest in the UK, but you're not quite sure um, where to invest, check out his podcast because they interview people across the United Kingdom, um, being able to provide sort of insights onto areas and what strategies work best. Today on this podcast, I talk about Hull. Um, for many of you know I'm an advocate for Hull. I invest in Hull. Um, so listen in if you want to learn more about how to invest here and why you should invest here. Welcome to a whole load of property, business, and mindset. A podcast bringing together like-minded people who have an interest in all things business, property investing, and personal development. No matter what stage of your journey you're at. And now, here's your host, Dan Cooper. Cool, Dan. Welcome to Where to Invest. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Um, yeah, cheers. Cheers for bringing me on. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for reaching out and uh, asking me to collab on the podcast. No problem at all. Glad to have you here, mate. So, uh, yeah, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you know your involvement in property, um, how you got into it, and a bit about your background. Yeah, no problem at all. So, um, for those who don't know, my name is Dan Cooper. I'm originally from South East London, but I moved up to Hull in 2017. Um, the reason I moved up to Hull was because I went travelling across across Australia and Southeast Asia. But early on in my travels, I met my uh, I met my now wife Liv. So we've been married um, under a year. Got married last year, but she's from this area originally. So that's what's brought me up to Hull. Um, in terms of you know my background so grew up southeast london um you know from standard working class family went to university went to a good grammar school um originally was joining the army but i uh, had some injuries in my legs and I, I couldn't get rid of it so i passed a lot of the selection but it was just the final stage um and then before i actually went well, I was on the final stage and instead of actually going ahead to join Sandhurst um, after the final stage, if I was to be successful, I flew to Australia instead. So, you know, just went traveling, worked in sales, always had an interest in business and property. But when I moved to Hull in early 2017, um, I carried on sales. So I worked for a PPE distribution company, um, excelled quite quickly throughout the ranks there from a, a telesales to key account manager in just over a year and a half. Um, so I sort of managed corporate clients, global, you know, the likes of Mars, Green King, Ritwick, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then whilst I was there, I wanted to, to a bit of, I say, a side income. I, I always had an interest in property and business, but I never knew property was a business. I never saw it like that at first. So I just thought, you know, you own property or, or you have a business, you know, running bars or doing something different, uh, but never put the two together. So... I was actually in a bar, in a pub with my mates. Um, one of them had a couple of buy to let, so I was asking him about it and, you know, the, I don't have any money, can't get into property, that sort of stuff. And he opened my eyes to um, property sourcing. So he said, well, why don't you get into property sourcing? So um, what I tend to do is if I sort of get hooked on an idea is I go down a huge rabbit hole and, you know, try and go heaven and earth um, to understand what it all is about. So I actually went online um found a sourcing training company um and they used to do this uh inside a circle course i think so you had to go on a webinar and register it and it was 99 quid a month and i literally went on there 
I think it was over a Christmas period, it was December, sort of December time, early January. And I paid the 99 quid and I had loads of resources. I literally did every training material, downloaded absolutely everything within the first month and then just cancelled the subscription. Um, but then, it, you know, it's so good getting all of the information and learning everything through the computer screen on webinars and that. But I had to go put it into action. You know, got leaflets, brochures, all sorts of material ready and, and took to the streets, went out there, went to estate agents, introduced myself, you know. But um, yeah, originally it was it was property source and that got me into property. Yeah, so it sounds to me like you're trying to find your feet a little bit uh, in, in the world, you know, with you know trying different careers and then, you know, found found your way into property and you've just, you know, taken to it like, uh, well, taken to it really well. Yeah, well, to be fair, I love sales. Um, I said I excelled quickly for the ranks and that was because I was achieving best salesperson awards. I was, I was doing extremely well, you know, hitting revenue targets, well, exceeding revenue targets. And I always had a passion for sales. And I guess that, you know, translating to sourcing, essentially you're selling yeah, a product, which is a property, isn't it? You know, and it's, there's many sort of um, different psychologies or different methods to sales. And it is ultimately, you know, being able to, to sell that product. So I find that I'm able to do that. Um, not a hard sell. You know, I understand what people want. And I think my, my first sort of, um, my first property that I sold, it, it took about six months to get it, to get to get one sold. And the reason being is, yeah, I was working full time and stuff, but I didn't have the investors. Um, many people go out there and find properties and then try to flog them. It's best if you have investors first and, and, and build the investor list. The reason being is once you know what they want, you can go out and find it, it makes your job easier. Uh, not to say that investors have easy criteria, um, you know, people want all money out. I just say no. You know, I, I work with realistic investors and people who want to invest their money in property in the long run, and they're not all about making a quick buck overnight. Yeah, it's the same with, with, with investing as, as sourcing. By the sounds of things, it's always a little bit chicken and egg, uh, chicken and egg though, because uh, you know, you investors want people who've got deals, um, and like you said, you don't you don't want to find the properties and have no one to sell them to. So a little bit chicken and egg there, but I find with, with, with investing as well. You know, especially if you're using, uh, you know, outside investment, angel finance. You know, do you go find the finance first and then find the find the properties, or you know, it's a difficult balance trying to do it all simultaneously, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I guess that's where you sort of got manage your time and all organising. I mean, when I when I decided, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up. So at first, and a lot of people get it. You know, I had shiny penny syndrome. I was like, right, let's source HMOs, buy to let, serviced accommodation, fucking absolutely everything. Um, but then I, I I was sat down by someone and said, what what is it you want to do in property? So I said, you know, own a huge buy to let portfolio. So he said, just focus on buy to lets and then become the expert in buy to lets. Um, and then obviously I decided just to focus on the buy to lets. And after about four or five weeks, I had actually had one secured with obviously having conversations with some investors. I knew their criteria. So I was actually able to match that up um, and, and source and then COVID it and it fell through. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's just one of them whirlwinds. But like you say, do you, do you get the finance first or do you get the deal? If you... I think you need to sort of understand that you can get finance. I think it's good to know whether you have you can get finance from someone. So put some feeders out there. If you've got family members who have money, um, you know, potential JV partners, friends in good places, 
just explain what you're doing and say, look, you know, there is an opportunity where you can potentially earn X amount if I find the right deal. If I do find a deal that stacks, would you be interested? And just put feeders out there to a lot of people, um, you know, but then at the same time, you don't want to go and secure a deal and, and not be able to fund it. So like I say, yeah, it's chicken and egg. But if you get a deal that you're going to make, you know, plenty amount of money on and the investor's going to make some money on and you're going to guarantee it, whether you do a first charge, whether you do a personal guarantee or investor probably wants both for security, you know, that's mitigating their risk. They're still going to earn an income. Um, and then you're still obviously able to do whatever you want with the property. So I think if the numbers are there and the proposal is good enough, there will be an investor there for it or failing that or less money and get a bridge. Yeah. So you, you've explained quite quite quickly why you've ended up in Hull because that was going to be one of my questions. How, how, does, a, how does a guy from South London end up uh, investing in Hull? Uh, so how, how have you actually found that as an area to invest? Uh, you're not the only person I know who, who invests in Hull. So, uh, you know, there must be something about it that's a bit of a draw that's, that's kept you there. Yeah. Do you know what? When I, so obviously when I first moved here, you know, I told everyone, so like I say, I'm from South East London originally from an area called Bexley, um, went to school, Dartford, Kent. If I tell people from home or when I tell people, you know, I'm moving to Hull, they'll be like, what the fuck are you going to Hull for? Like, no one knows of Hull. No one knows what Hull is, anything about Hull. But it has a deep-rooted history here in Hull. There's a lot of history. Um, and I'm biased now. Like, I absolutely love the place. There's some things I probably dislike about the area, but there's many, many things that I do like about the area. So, like I said, yeah, I moved to Hull in 2017 now, at the beginning of 2017, that was when the City of Culture started. So for those who don't know, the City of Culture is uh, where regions, areas, city, they bid, uh, put forward a bid in order to be classed as what they call City of Culture. Now, I don't know a huge deal about it, but ultimately what that is, is, is a year-long, well, 12 months um, full celebration for the City of Culture. And there's lots of festivals, events, um, cultural shows so like things to do with different types of arts and the beginning of the year there was a huge light show in the city center but talking about Hull's history so Hull has a huge maritime history so a lot of that was a, a key focus um like it was a huge trawling industry here Hull was one of the areas that was bombed a lot throughout the world war the reason being is because Hull is to the to the northeast of the city right into Europe so there's four ports in the Humber um, and the Humber side is the gateway to Europe for the, for the ports. Um, I know that because I, I worked in the port industry and the commercial team here for a while. So all of this information, um, you know, regarding the ports and the shipping lanes, etc. But the Hull being bombed, um, one of the reasons it was bombed is because the fire planes leaving Hull, if they still had a, had a lot of bombs on board and low fuel, obviously the weight would would, would increase their fuel uses. So they used to drop a lot of bombs on the way out, and that just happened to be Hull. Um, so it's one of the most bombed cities actually through the World War Two, which is another interesting fact. And uh, when I actually went on a viewing not so long ago, and the house I viewed was the end of the street, and there was a huge car park next to it because the, there were houses adjacent, and and they'd be bombed in the war. So um, it is very interesting here in Hull. I invest here because I'm local. Um, I'm now local. So when I was first told about property sourcing, I got into it. But prior to that. Um, that was probably a year and a half after I'd actually moved here. 
But when, when we first moved here or when we first looked to rent our place, myself and she was my girlfriend at the time, like I said, we're married now, but um, when I actually looked at property prices for rent, you know, you're talking two beds, 375, 400 quid a month for rent, which don't sound fantastic if you're an investor, but if you're sort of living here in terms of affordability, we we had a nice apartment on the dock, so we had some other areas uh, moved throughout. But one of the things that sort of, stuck with me and he's actually one of my investors now who I have a good relationship he's my old landlord we're not the first sorry the first house we lived in um we used to pay I think four seven five rent and he told me he bought the house for sixty five thousand pounds um and when you're from London and you hear that a property can you know can be purchased for sixty five thousand pounds and you go on right move and they're forty five thousand pounds fifty thousand pounds it just sort of opened new eyes to the fact that the properties are higher yielding and it's more affordable. That's not to say that I had money to go and, you know, put, put a deposit down or anything like that. I didn't. I was fortunate and I, I can get onto that in a moment. But in terms of investing in Hull, the city of culture brought huge amounts of investment into the city, private investment. Um, and, and we're talking, you know, billions, over a billion. And, and since 2013, there's been about 3.4 billion pounds of private and public investment in Hull. Now that's fantastic in terms of figures, but you know, just noticing things. So when I first lived here, I wouldn't say it was dire, but it weren't fantastic. But since then, um, you know, people who live in big metropolitan cities will probably laugh at this, but you know, we've had brand new bonus arena, concert arena go up, you know, they do um, all sorts, sorts of events there. Um, Michelin star restaurants, more swanky hotels, um, multi-million pounds investment into the, you know, the, the traffic or the infrastructure in Hull, um, new bridges, new roads, new, new, new sort of, um, even rail connectivity and investment in that. So they are throwing money into the city to make it better connected, um, which obviously is increasing more investment into the city. Um, but for people like me who are trying to buy property in Hull, it makes it harder because more people are starting to enjoy the area and and see the benefits. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all, all of that investment, you know, those are things that are going to attract more people to the area. Of course, increases the uh, the demand, but also increases the, the prices of the properties, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we're under no illusion that COVID is a, well, not just COVID, but the stamp duty holiday. And there's there's been many sort of, contributing factors to accelerating the house price growth. Um, you know, I think Nationwide released their figures the uh, recently and year on year or prior year to this year, I think it was for April or March, 14.9% increase in property prices, uh, you know, a national yeah, average. That's, that's crazy. Incredible. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're seeing that here in Hull. Um, we are seeing big increases. Fantastic. I've got a flip. I've got a flip on the go. Fantastic. I'm going to get a huge price, but trying to buy at the minute, you know, you're competing, you're in a bidding war. And when, when property prices in whole, you know, for a two-bed, three-bed, 65, 70, 80,000 pounds in some areas, to people outside of Hull who, you know, probably used to put an eight, eight grand down as a deposit, they don't care yeah. what they pay. No, it's true. When I speak to people, so I'm, I'm based in, uh, in St Albans, Hertfordshire, um, yeah. very, very close to London. And, you know, a lot of my friends in London, again, you know, when I tell them about what I do in, in property investment and mention the prices that I'm buying properties at, um, either in the in the West Midlands or, or in the Northeast, and, you know, they're, they're shocked. They're, they're like, you know, you can't even put down a deposit on a flat uh, where they live. So, 
yeah, it's uh, you know you can see why people chase those yields up north. Uh, you know, so I, I certainly do as well. Yeah, I mean, when you're chasing the yields, you sacrifice the capital appreciation, don't you? So, um, you know, is it's understanding? Do you invest yeah, for until both? recently? You, well, until yeah, recently, until recently yeah. yeah, market dynamics affect that, but um, ultimately, it's down south for appreciation and up up north for for the yields. But you know, just to put it in perspective, I myself I'm a business partner so um, I'm an investment business I have a, a 50-50 partner in that but we, we purchased three properties under £40,000 you know one was 39999 to avoid the stamp duty one was 36 and a half, and one was 37 um, referred them 65k they're worth that might be worth a bit more now but the rents we get on them are good and they just took over you know great tenants in um, don't have to really touch them yeah, no, that's good. The only downside of buying properties at that sort of price is uh, is having to buy cash because, of course, there's not there's not a lot of companies will give you finance for uh, you know anything below forty thousand. Yeah, no, you're I don't right. think there's any will give you finance on below well, forty thousand. The mortgage yeah. lender or the mortgage works one one of the two. They've actually increased their minimum. Like, so used to the minimum property price for a mortgage used to be fifty k, and they've increased it to sixty seven k. So the actual minimum loan's fifty k now. So because prices are going up. You know the lenders are changing their criteria as well. So if you if you are buying properties at that price, forty five, fifty, sixty k, um, well, you know fifty, fifty five or whatever, you are probably going to have to be in a cash position. Yeah, and and you said property sourcing was your kind of route into investing. Like how how did that transition? So um, the first buy refurbisher finance I ever sourced. Um, I'm going to be a hypocrite now and, and completely sort of go against what I said at the beginning. But I um, basically went to a property, negotiated a price. So I went there with sixty six, no, 67500 in my head. So I did some due diligence. I said, it'll work at that. Anyway, the vendor said, oh, it was on a Sunday morning. I remember this. Um, and he says, oh, you know, I've had one of them home buying companies offer me like in the 60s. I'm never going to accept that. Anyway, um, I managed to negotiate them to 66750 So, 750 quid originally less than I originally wanted to um, acquire it for. Not that I was buying it, but worked out the refurb, sourced it, put it on Facebook. An investor reached out to me. Um, she said, yes, go ahead with it. I oversaw the biofurbish for finance. Then um, I sourced a, another couple of deals. Um, and then one was a really good flip, actually, and I wanted to do it. So... Um, I put a proposal together to, to the same investor and said, there's three options. You can either take it from me, source it, I'll source a fee, project manage it, loan me the money for it because I'd like to do it, or we can join venture on it. Um, so they said, why don't we join venture on it? Then um, had another conversation because I had another deal. I said, you know, if we just do the one, is it worth doing more than one? Um, and then, yeah, sort of that's led to where we are now. So we've, we've, We've done various buyer refurbish for finances. And the reason I'm telling you all this, we've just um, acquired a commercial to residential property. And the vendor who I sourced the first buyer refurbish for finance for, for my investor, me and my investor have now purchased his old commercial building. So three years later, he's come direct to vendor to us for a commercial building that he wanted to sell. Um, so it's, it swings around about. So, yeah, well, I that shows the value of maintaining relationships yeah, as well, doesn't it? you never know what opportunities are going to come just from people you meet. Uh, and that's yeah. just sort of a prime example of, of what, what's come of that. 
and and our other buy refurbished for finance we just did where we pulled all our money out was actually from him as well because it was his daughter-in-law's yeah and even though you've negotiated down uh you know the, the price on the original purchase for the first one that you did you've also managed to you know keep that customer satisfied to the point where they're prepared to do business with you again so you know it's not like they've felt beaten down on price so much that you know oh, they won't do business with you again no, and like I say, he's, he's, he's given me portfolios to sell on behalf. We just did a buy refurbishment finance and pulled all our money out, and it was from him as well. So, you know, just from him, we've we've got three great opportunities. Well, two. Um, my investors had three because I obviously sourced the original one. But just from sourcing, that sourcing was a stepping stone originally for me to raise money to then go and buy. However, through sourcing, I was able to meet somebody who, you know, has some faith in me. Um, and, you know, agreed to go into 50-50 JV partnership. And since then, well, since then, we've got a uh, multiple buyer refurbished finances. Um, on our second flip, and we're doing our first commercial to resi conversion. So we set this up late 2020, I think, our business. So less than two years. Um, and we also have a, set up a lettings and management company together. So we also... Um, let and manage our own portfolio as well as other landlords and investors. So, for example, my offering is I'll source your property, project manage any refurbishment needed using the build teams that I use on all my projects, and then let and manage it through my letting and management or for um, letting the management company. Right. So you do letting the management as well. That's great. Yeah. So you know you're you're kind of setting up uh, like a, a series of sort of mini businesses on the side that all kind of flow into each other now by the sounds of things. Yeah, because ultimately, um, I was give, the way I saw it, I was giving away revenue. Um, yeah, I'll source it, project manage it, and then give it to a letting agent. But people used to say, oh, can you manage it, Dan? You know, I said, no, I didn't have the time. Fortunately, I've, I've got more time now. I wouldn't say I've got time, but I've got more time. I went full-time in property in October 21, um, so just over six, almost seven months, I think, now. Um, stressful, you know, it's demanding, a lot of stuff. I still have no free time. Uh, but you know, I'm filling that time with, with with generating opportunities. You know, the sourcing has gone from strength to strength. Lettings and management is growing. Hiring an apprentice. Well, we've just hired an apprentice. They start in July. Um, you know, so we are scaling, and it's because what I guess my sales background and the ability to react fast, um, as well as you know myself and my business partner. What when we put our minds to something, you know, we sit there, we strategize, we have our quarterly meetings, we have our bi monthly meetings put our heads together and say, how can we take this to the next level? How can we grow? We've, we've teared our business plan up about three times, um, you know, just, just from doing buy to let's now on a commercial to resi. We didn't foresee that in a, in a few months. So, you know, you never know who, you, who yeah. who's going to sort of bring the next opportunity to you. Yeah, and, and moving with the market as well. Exactly. Um, huge focus at the minute for us is um, for, for Hull, for example, serviced accommodation. Everyone thinks of the leisure industry, but a huge contractor market in Hull. You know, we just secured one at the minute. Um, I don't know when this is going to go live, but I'll share more information maybe at a later date on this. But um, myself and someone else, we just, in another business, we just secured a buy to SA, you know, standard purchase on a mortgage, um, above asking price. We do the end to end process, have the management company relationships, et cetera still going to be getting close to 28% ROI. All right. So what, what sort of balance of um, 
properties are you sort of sourcing and, and, and buying for yourself? Is there a way that you manage that? Do you, how do you decide which ones you keep and which ones you source? Um, I suppose, the, yeah, the benefit of sourcing is you get to nitpick. So um, going back, obviously, the market was a bit easier. Um, we we decided to keep, well, our, our, I'll go around the houses here. Our minimum ROI was 33% return on investment. So as long as we got our money back in three years, um, that's net. We would we would purchase it. But then, as the market changed, we decided that we need to drop that, you know, because we'd be lowballing. But we started to get direct to vendor um, leads just through the network here, and that was because uh, and we were able to offer a bit lower because we weren't competing with others. Um, still reasonable prices, um, but like I say, and having the cash availability, so two houses we bought side by side simultaneously within three weeks. The vendor was happy to do that. Yeah, I suppose as long as it meets our criteria, um, 33%, but now we look at it differently. Like I say, our investment criteria has changed. Um, we always get the first pick, obviously, because I do a lot of sourcing, but myself and someone else, we do a lot of sourcing in whole. So a lot of the, the stock has changed. You know, it isn't a refurbishment stock at the minute because the numbers aren't there. Um, so what we look at is buy to SA, um, as well as tenanted stock we work with social housing providers we work with funds who can buy portfolios so at the minute we're actually selling portfolios on behalf of landlords um you know tenant in situ sort of stock to people who just want to put their money in and, and, and receive a monthly income that's the sort of stock we're getting at the minute doesn't mean i can't go and source a buyer refurbish for finance but it's um you've got to pivot you've got to change when the market changes yeah definitely so when you're when you're sourcing properties for people, are you sourcing properties for people in the south, uh, like from your connections in in uh, South London, or are you uh, sourcing for people all over the country? Who's who's buying in Hull? All over. So we, uh, I say we. So I work closely with someone called Jocelyn in Hull as well. So we we work together. Everything goes in the pot, and there's a reason for that. We have our own investors, own networks, you know, and we just work extremely well together. Our values align, which I think is really important in property. Um, there's a lot of people who, you know, have reached out to me sourcing, they try to circumvent you, they go behind your back, they get a bit of information about the vendor, go off, you know, we're talking for the sake of a few grand, you're just like, is there any need? You're just sort of dragging your own name through the dirt. Um, so, so yeah, that relationship's been strong for over a year. Um, we work with various overseas investors. So we've had five sales agreed recently for um, some some investors in Singapore. One just completed Friday, going to do a bit of a refurb. And then, like I said, I'll let them manage that out. Um, good thing about having a, a lanes management company and working with others in the industry is, you know, if the landlord's okay, I can pitch a company let. So recently, three of our properties that have just come on the market to us um, have gone on company let. So rent to rent, rent to SA. You know, um, it, it works. It's beneficial for a lot of people involved. Guaranteed rent to the landlord for three months. You've got an investor who's going to achieve higher cash flow on a rent to SA yeah. uh, in whole. So, um, so when you say company let, is that are you, do you mean you're letting that out to uh, to contract? Sorry, to companies uh, to, to put people in. Is that what you is that what you mean? Yeah, ultimately, a company let is a fancy way of saying if you want a property. Um, let's say it's Pete Hogg Investments Limited, you become a company, you deal with a management company on SA and then let it out. Um, we don't do it with everyone. We do it with investors that we know, landlords that we know, but I also work with someone very closely who has qualified pool of investors who have experience in this because at the end of the day, you know, I've got to mitigate the risk with 
with the investor with the investor's property, you know. Um they have to guarantee the rent. I have to make sure that my landlord's receiving their rent. So like I said, it's not everyone we deal with, but but it's, it's some people that we deal with. Yeah. Do you, do you find at the moment, because there's a lot of areas that are getting a lot of attention, like Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool in, in particular, do you, do you find yourself talking to investors about, you know, why Hull should be a place they should invest uh, as opposed to maybe some of those ones that are hitting the headlines a bit more? Not really. Um you know, and I suppose Liverpool, Leeds, Manchester, um, yeah, fantastic. Manctopia, you know, have they had their boom already? Liverpool, City of Culture in 2007, I think, so 10 years before Hull. Look at Liverpool now. What's to say that Hull's not going to be like that in 10 years? You know, I'm riding the wave. I'm taking advantage of what's happened previously. You know, people could go to Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, Liverpool. You know, people ring me up and say, look, I'm, you know, I want to talk to you about Hull. I'll give them my honest answer why I think Hull, you know, I, I don't try to pitch people to Hull. Um, people who want to invest in Hull will invest in Hull. You know, whether it's through word of mouth referrals for myself, you know, a lot of clients come to me because I've bought, you know, source property for, for someone they know. Um, you know, new relationships, Hull is on the map more so now than it used to be. Um, Hull's on one end of the M62, you've got Manchester and Leeds on the other. Property prices, Manchester, Leeds, that side, you know, edge, gradually get a bit lower I think as you get across the M62 so people are looking at areas and thinking huge demand there struggling to buy any property property prices are increasing loads of yield, uh, yields are lower and then they're just going to look for the other city you go on training programs and people start telling them about Hull um, I have my podcast I've seen you know I talk about Hull on there the, yeah. the Hull's well, in the title it it's a play on yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah. Um, tell, tell us a little bit more about the podcast yeah, so my podcast is a uh, it's called a whole load of so whole being H U L L playing words I know genius um, whole load of property business mindset so I invite people on there who are um, whether it's property related business um, any you know any type of business um, and mindset because you know them three are are interlinked regardless if you're a property owner you've got to have a great mindset you know you've got to be have some mental resilience and you've got to, you know, be keen on personal development because you're always growing, you're always looking for new opportunities. Um, so yeah, we've had people on there um, in the FX industry, uh, people on there work in social housing, um, but as well as property investors who have a mass rent to rent portfolio, buy to let portfolios, you know, people in construction, mortgage brokers. So we've tried to provide a lot of content, but the content I've tried to get out there is not stuff that's too far out of reach for the, for the newbie, the beginner, because when I first started listening, you know, there's some podcasts that they do give you great information. Um, and then after a while, they start getting on guests who, you know, doing 40 million pound refurbs in London and all this sort of stuff. And you think, well, I live in home, mate, you know, that's way out of reach. That ain't, that's not achievable for me yet. You know, you could do a 40 million pound refurb in whole, but you'd probably be refurbing half of whole um, for that sort of money. So, <laughs> So yeah, it's, uh, I just try to sort of give value, but I'm doing the commercial to resi um, conversion at the minute. I'm doing like a little mini series. So at each stage of the conversion, I'll do a 15, 20, 30 minute episode to say, what have I learned? What's been the challenges? You know, for example, the first one was on what is permitted development. Um, I spoke about permitted development in relation to my commercial to conversion because there's lots of different permitted development. I don't know about all that. I only know a little bit about, you know, what I'm doing. Um, so it's just my experience within that. I'm not, you know, professing to be this 
expert on anything. It's just my experience. And if I can give some value to other people, because I've learned stuff on the way, you know, then then that can benefit others. Yeah, definitely. What was your what was your main motivation, would you say, for for starting the podcast? I like talking. I like talking. <laughs> I was always told to shut up by our teachers. Um, kicked out of class all the time. And I just thought, where can I channel that? <laughs> um, nah, that's one reason. But building a personal brand, getting out there and like I say, providing value, uh, value to other people, whether they're new, like there's there's a there's a stage where I was getting a lot of people come to me and say, Oh, you know, I'm interested in sourcing, can you help this or can you do this? Or do you know anyone who knows anything about this? So I just thought, well, why not run a podcast? Yeah, one is to get my name out there and build a personal brand, people to actually understand what I'm doing and, you know, to give value back it is ultimately for people to listen and think, I didn't know that. And just a prime example, the commercial Terezi we secured, we secured on a 5% exchange with a nine-month delay completion. Do the refurb in the middle, get the finance, pay it off at the end. Um, so minimize our investment. Um, tip number one, if someone could do that. And that was off the guy that we knew. So we had the relationship there. He didn't need the money, but he sort of said, you pay this for it. I'll let you do it. So that's what we sort of did. And I got that information from recording a podcast with someone. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, I think sim- similar to you, actually, uh, you know, give, giving that value to people. I spoke to a lot of people uh, who I'd ask them like where they're investing, or, or and, they, and they'd be like, "Oh, I'm not sure." You know, I'm, I'm thinking of investing here, or I'm thinking of investing there. And I said to this guy, oh, where, what, "What are you looking to do in property?" And he says, "Oh, you know, I'm looking for cash flow." Oh, okay, so where are you thinking of investing? He says, "Oh, I'm thinking of investing in London." It kind of made me realize, I think, you know, you've got to choose your investment area based on your strategy, or you've got to choose your strategy based on your investment area. And you've got to make sure that those two things align. And, you know, this is what this this is why I've, I've created a podcast called Where to Invest. You know, what I want to do is I want to give back, particularly to those people who are kind of the, those would-be investors who are thinking about getting started, but they don't really know. You know, I want to talk to people who invest in different areas and what strategies are they using, what works in different areas. Um, so, yeah, it's about that. About that giving back, and also just gives me the opportunity to to, to, to talk to other people as well. So you know, I, I may, may never have had a conversation with yourself if it hadn't have been through through the podcast. So uh, I think particularly during during lockdown, we had a you know a long time with uh, you know just staring at four walls and not yeah, much else. So you know, having those opportunities to have those conversations is uh, you know it's good for the soul, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you touched on it then. Yeah, obviously the giving the value and having conversations with people you never knew you talk to so um you know this could be the start of a budding relationship but even then you know um other people i speak to in podcasts you know, who are podcasts and who invest you know you might not have done recording on that episode i can sort of send them your way but likewise if you speak to someone who's interested in you know buying in whole likewise and i think you know and I, everyone uses the cliche your network is your net worth like i love speaking to people no matter what you know no matter who they are where they're from what they do because you never know when the opportunity will arise you know, and I don't speak to people just to, to receive back. You know, I try to give as much value as I can without trying to get anything in return. I'm, I'm not too bothered about that. I like doing what I'm doing for various different reasons. Um, you know, and if, for example, it helps someone along the way, then then fantastic. You know, if someone can get their first buyer to let because of a tip they heard from someone on my podcast, you know, great. But it also gives people the opportunity to, you know, vent or discuss or debate or talk. It's an open forum where, you know, no holds barred. You know, you can swear as much as you want on my podcast. You can say what you want on my podcast. You know, I don't 
care about people's views. You know, if they want to get them across to people, um, not like it's not political or religious, you know, what I'm saying is like, it opens up people's minds, I think, listening to podcasts because you might sort of have tunnel vision because you're not experiencing or exposing yourself to certain things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I think you, you and I are um, two peas in a pod there, mate. So what's next for you in property? Um, you've got your lettings business, you've got your sourcing business, you're, you're JVing with people, uh, doing stuff for yourself. What's what's next? Um, I have a kip, I think. No, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm on my last, I've got throwing masters in there as well. I'm doing masters. I'm on the final um, final module of a master's degree. So it's an MSc in um, commercial real estate. So I did start off doing a, a building surveying one, University of Northumbria, because I wanted to start a construction arm and do the full lot. But then I just thought there's a lot of work that needs to go into it. Obviously, you need, it's RICS accredited, but I thought, do I want to go down that route? And I, I decided I didn't. So I thought, you know, I still want to learn, student finance still fund it. So I thought, you know, I'll do commercial real estate because I'm interested in commercial property and, you know, I've le- I've learned a lot and I've not done that for anyone else. I've just done it for myself. So, you know, when I'm speaking with commercial agents, I've got this understanding. I understand that, you know, the law behind things. I understand, you know, um, for example, I just did a property valuation module, you know, lease renewals, rent reviews, lease terminology, actually up understanding the valuation of a commercial property why is that you know um that's just one module of many but yeah get rid of that um sourcing so there's you know i'm under nda i can't discuss a lot of stuff but um buying buying into another company um to help scale uh, a certain arm of that myself and, and jocelyn we, we've um probably going to form a new entity to, to scale even more bring in some virtual assistants we're looking at bringing in some sources in the local area just to scale that business as well because there's only so much i can do you know i have got a lot of businesses got a baby due in the next you know could be 24 hours could be could be a week could be two weeks we don't know but you know um everything is about scaling now you know it's taken me two and a half years i've had full-time jobs you know i used to get up at 6 a.m in the morning do an hour and a half work. Luckily, I just started a new job in COVID. So, you know, I did a lot of property stuff whilst I was, le- inverted commas, learning the job. Um, and that helped me, you know, people, COVID as bad as it was, you know, there, there were opportunities to come from that. And I, I benefited in a certain way from that because I used having more time to my advantage to scale the property business. Um, so on the sourcing side, it's all about scale and growth, bringing in more investors. You know, we work with various agents, um, we are changing the strategy, work for overseas investors. So finding more and more stock through different sort of leads. Um, and then letting the management, again, bringing on staff, scaling that, growing that. Um, what else are we doing in property? So the commercial to resi, probably going to focus on a few more of them. Market's still mad at the minute. Um, holds a smaller place than some cities, but, you know, like I said, there's still opportunity. Once we get this one underway, um, going for the consultation phase at the minute with M&E, structural, et cetera. Um, yeah, and just focus on some more commercial to Resi. Nice. Sounds exciting. I wish you the best with it, mate. Yeah, just uh, before we before we wrap up, I always like to ask a question, of, like what's one key takeaway you, you like to leave people with from the conversation? Just one. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to draw my own experience here. Um so I, I grew up on a, on a council estate in South East London, so I haven't come from, you know, money or wealth or anything, but I was surrounded by it in a, in a secondary school that I went to. And 
I used to look at that and some people might think, oh, you know, I wish I had that, you know, I feel a bit sorry for it. So I was like, I want that. I want to get that. How do I get that? You know, and the reason I say that is, don't matter where you come from or what you do, is just work, work your ass off, you know, work your ass off, put in the graft, meet loads of people, be resilient and, and just keep going. It's all about persistence and being persistent and being consistent. Because if you're not doing that, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, lovely. That's a great message, Dan. So um, how can people reach you if they uh, if they want to get in touch? If you want to get in touch, in the show notes will be my link tree. The reason I put that is so I don't have to read out about 100 different links, but <laughs> touch on there. My podcast, if you want to listen to my podcast, um, a whole load of property business mindset found on all your um, standard channels. Facebook, Dan.Cooper1992. Uh, just be me, Dan Cooper. Instagram, Dan Cooper1992. Business Facebook page, Element Property Solutions. Um, if you're looking at lettings and management in whole, Cooper and Roman Property Management. Um, just a few, so I won't bore you for any more. But I'll give you the link tree, uh, the link tree link, so you can put that in the show notes, Appreciate and everyone can yeah. just click on that and then find me that way. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan, and I uh, wish you all the best of luck with the business, and I wish you all the best of luck uh, with the new arrival in the family as well, mate. Thank you. Listen, pleasure. Um, Thanks for having me on. It's, it's been great. Thanks for listening to a whole load of property, business, and mindset. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you like the podcast, please share it to others. In the meantime, to connect with Dan, follow him on Instagram at dancooper1992. Until next time.